I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind, and this is a special audio podcast exclusive of the program. Rick Wilson needs no introduction. Uh, he is a consummate political analyst and operative who you can find on cable and in his scribblings, but not so scribbly, uh, his very deep, um, profound analyses for The Daily Beast, which you should uh, pick up on the, the Daily Beast website. Rick, thanks for joining me. Happy to be with you, Alexander. How are you today? I'm, I'm fine. I hope you're doing fine, too. You know, we're making the best of, uh, making the, best of the lockdown. I, uh, I finished off the, the chapters for my paperback today uh, of my new book, and so uh, I'm actually looking forward to a, a relatively quiet weekend. That's great. Um, and, and Rick and I, for listeners who might have RSVP'd to the FDR library event that we were going to do, that got snowed in. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that got snowed in. We'd still love to have you at, at Hyde Park um, when, when things get back to some. I'd some love that. I'd love that. Um, you are part of the founding committee, uh, the Lincoln Project, um, and it's, it was formed by yourself um, and John Weaver and um, a Steve Schmidt, um, we all know, um, dedicated to protecting this country, uh, holding accountable those who would violate their oaths to the Constitution and would put others, um, namely their narcissistic interests, before the American people. And you've done some remarkable work with the Lincoln Project, um, and, and I know you and John and, and Steve are set for, you know, and George Conway as well, uh, to produce in, important educational uh, um, commercials, advertisements um, that will um, let folks know what, what's transpired over these last uh, three, four years. I just want to ask you to start, you know, given what we know about the trajectory of this race, like what can the Democrats do to lose this election at this point? I mean, that's the most important thing to ask you. What, what, can, what sh can they avoid doing so that they, they don't lose this election? Well, this is, this is one of those moments where the Democrats have to stay based on the, on the one thing that is important, and this is a referendum on Donald Trump. This is not about policy. This is not about, this is not about uh, you know, debating the health care plan or or, or deciding what you know the, the, the child care tax credit should be. This is about whether or not you want four more years of Donald Trump. This is about whether or not this country uh, can survive four more years of Donald Trump. And so I think it is important that we keep that in, in focus as we go forward, because uh, the, American, the American population right now is focused on two major fact issues. One, this, this pandemic. And the second major factor is, of course, the, the economic depression that has come along due to the fact that Donald Trump uh, uh, played this thing out uh, in a way that, that he denied it and, de and deceived the American people about it. And, and his response was so inadequate that we are going to be in another Great Depression. Uh, you know, Nouriel Roubini came out today and said, we're not going to have a V-shape. It's going to be an L-shape. And it could be a decade. And that's on Donald Trump. So that's something that they need to uh, they need to, to to persist in terms of pressing um, in terms of pressing the the uh, the key message that a referendum on Trump that comes down to the two critical decisions he failed on um, 
is, is the core of this campaign. Rick, in that spirit, I think that you and your Lincoln Project co-founders would agree that Vice President Biden is the perfect candidate because in his pitch to primary voters, he made that same case. It's about, um, the, it's about a, a referendum. It's about also winning back a, a Senate that's going to take its oath to not Donald Trump, but to the citizens of the states from which they were elected. Um, so there is a cookie cutter model right now that is, is really fit to accomplish what you're describing. What could still go wrong? Oh, everything. Everything can go wrong. <laughs> My grandmother's, one of her favorite phrases was, there's many a slip twixt the cup and the lip. And, and you know, no campaign ever survives contact with reality. We're going to have a very significant battle ahead um, in terms of how this, um, in terms of how this, how this machine that Donald Trump has built uh, attempts to repeat the same things. Uh, that they did in 2016 in terms of using Russian intelligence materials uh, that were stolen from American citizens uh, for their campaign purposes, in terms of of the the degree to which they're going to use uh, a variety of of completely untrue assertions about Joe Biden and try to get them out there and convince Americans that Joe Biden is a you know a rapist, a killer, a reptile, insect, alien, all these things that they're going to do. You know, I'm not sure the campaign on the on the Democratic side is yet fully prepared for those those realities ahead. So one of those realities is trying to tie Biden to China and a weaker position on on China. Um, and, and I don't know if, if Russian interference is, is going to help bolster that case for Trump or Trump would just do that on his own with folks like Cotton and Rove. Uh, but but what is Biden's best play in response to that? And do you perceive that to be? one of the major hurdles, um, which is trying to tie Biden to, to China in, in some unfathomable, untruthful way. Well, the, the, the irony here is that Joe Biden has hours of video and tons of photographs of Donald Trump um, rolling over for the Chinese uh, premier, Z, like a dog, as Trump would say. Um, he, he has consistently said things like, oh, well, we love each other. We've had a piece of cake together. We're making a great deal. I respect him. I like him. I, you know, he's very strong. He's a strong leader. I mean, Biden's got a chance to push back on this because look, every Trump attack, Alexander, is always projection. Everything Trump attacks people on is a projection of his own sense of weaknesses, his own, his own uh, you know, knowledge of his, of his failings. And so the, any attack on, on, on China coming from Trump uh, can be turned back on him with the recognition that it's Donald Trump who's weak on China. Right. I mean, look, in that sense, the projection propagandist tactic is, is like what political operatives have talked about for, for years, but specifically in, in how folks like yourself, David Axelrod, Karl Rove, have executed, which is take what should be a strength and make it into a weakness. Um, and, you know, how would you assess Biden's efforts to do that so far? Um, in, what, in what areas does he need to improve to be formidable? Well, look, uh, Joe Biden is a loose candidate. There are two types of candidates. There are tight candidates and loose candidates. Hillary Clinton is a tight candidate. Barack Obama is a tight candidate. Um, George Herbert Walker Bush, loose candidate. 
Ronald Reagan, actually a tight candidate who looked like a loose candidate. Biden is loose. He doesn't prepare a lot. He doesn't work, you know, through messaging a lot because he's been around the block so long. Trump is a very, very loose candidate. Um, but Biden needs to tune up his messaging. He needs to deliver short, punchy, uh, the, the proverbial 17 seconds uh, is much better for him than a long, colorful anecdote. So he needs to tighten up on that. His opposition research team needs to tighten up and be a little faster for him and get him educated on these things a lot quicker. And he needs to get Donald Trump in the crosshairs of, of, of you know, being the guy who's bringing the referendum against Trump. So one of the uncontrollable factors, it's, it's a known unknown in a sense, is the whatever dirt there may be um, that is illegally um, sought by the Trump campaign this time around, uh, that may be on Joe, maybe on his family. That's to be expected, right? So understanding that's the wild west of this political age, often unlawful and, and unethical, um, beyond the preparation that you just advocated, uh, are there any steps that Lincoln Project and that, and that Biden's campaign ought, you know, ought to be thinking about to, to combat what might inevitably be um, a WikiLeaks-style attack? On- well, I, I think inevitably is the word you're looking for. It will happen. Yeah. It will happen. Um, and there will be a moment where, where, um, where something leaks that the Russians give to the Trump campaign, and the Trump campaign will barely launder it, um, and everyone will know it's from the Trump campaign. But that won't stop them from using it, punching it out there, and uh, and and doing everything they can to promote it, just as they did, um, in, just as they did in uh, in 2016. So what do you do in that situation? You know, it was Hillary Clinton who went on Rachel Maddow uh, after the election and said, you know, what is to stop her or someone from saying the Chinese? Uh, will you hack into um, Donald Trump's uh, emails and, and, you know, all, all hands on deck here? So in that event, um, what should the Biden operation be doing? Um, because the Access Hollywood for WikiLeaks uh, exchange didn't work out for Hillary Clinton. And I'm not sure that Biden being a different political animal, someone the American people have come to trust and respect and, and admire, I'm not sure that the, the WikiLeaks style character assassination. Well, let me, let me say this. Let me say this. Um, the, the idea that Joe Biden is alone in this fight is no longer applicable. Uh, there are people like us who will be in this fight punching these messages through as well. And that's one of the things that, that we believe is going to be a, an effective counterweight in a lot of these, uh, in a lot of these coming, coming moments, because we're faster than the Biden campaign. We hit a lot harder than the Biden campaign and we are in Donald's head in a way that, that, Ironically, the Biden campaign isn't. And, and so he's got allies on the outside, not just us, but other groups as well. And, uh, and, and, and he's got a, a number of other outside, Biden has a number of outside surrogates who can punch very hard and who carry an enormous political throw weight in the, in the coming uh, months, including people like Barack Obama. 
So you don't think necessarily it's going to be imperative for, for there to be um, a, a kind of specific strategy because there are a lot of chefs in the kitchen in, in um, rapid response to uh, whatever might be laundered, to use your word. Um, but you are suggesting that Biden's opposition research, and, and I'm sure your own with Lincoln Project and other entities, that they are that they are hard at work because the there was no counterpunch. There was there was Access Hollywood, then there was WikiLeaks, and and uh, and there was the Comey memo. But you know, right. the, the, there was no um, further punch um, in in the way that there needed to be. And and you know, even if you have a bunch of ready allies at hand. Uh, the nature of the WikiLeaks attack with the drip, 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 drip of the emails sure. was hard to... to kind no, of- look, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it, there, the, that there are people who are better equipped than the, average, um, than the average Democratic campaign to punch back on these things. Assuming, um, assuming that, that Joe's policy positions remain center-left and um, that, that he is not inheriting any of the Sanders baggage when it comes to ideological rigidity. Um, what could he do wrong um, with respect to the VP selection um, that you think would ultimately injure his, his prospects? Or do you think that that's, that's a sort of not, not as essential um, and that of the people who were speculated, uh, any one of them would fit right in for him? Well, I think I think you're going to end up with a, a number of good choices. They're all going through the vetting process right now, and no matter what, um, no matter what the press wants or what activists of any kind or individual candidates want, um, you know they're going to all have to go through the ringer on the vetting process. And some will survive that, some will not. And I think he's got a I think he's got a great palette of opportunities here, and a good number of folks that that can be. Uh, that can be uh, uh, very persuasive uh, as as candidates, and I think that there will be a moment here very soon where we're going to know a little more about who's going to shake out of that uh, shake out of that uh, that list. And do you think, from your perspective right now, that there is someone who you know bolsters him? Um, is there someone who gives him more of an advantage in the Rust Belt country uh, sure, sure. Than, than someone else? Well, I think I think that there is a uh, I think that there is a an opportunity with uh, Amy Klobuchar, who I think is is scrappy and tremendous, that you know locks down a, a, a slightly shaky Minnesota, uh, helps you in that upper tier with Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio. Um, I think there's an opportunity. I mean, Gretchen Whitmer's got a lot of buzz the last few days because she's also sort of come up in the uh, in the uh, in, in the in the uh, the sweepstakes lately. So I think there are a lot of people out there, you know, who fit certain lock and key things. I mean, I think Kamala Harris is a more national candidate if she's the VP. She she brings a more national message to the campaign. She is more liberal than Biden. Um, but I think she's also got a lot of charisma, and you can see her in a sort of chief executive role, I think, pretty easily. And 
with respect to the economy, it, it did seem like Liz Warren making the sort of inroads with constituencies within the Democratic Party and maybe even more broadly um, as someone who is really transparent, uh, articulate, and, uh, and rapid um, on, on uh, economic questions. Uh, you know, do, do you see her um, as a selection that um, specifically dealing with an economic crisis could be advantageous for Biden? I think I think that I'm not sure that she's actually as much in the running as people think. I don't think she gets you a lot of states that you don't already have on the Democratic side. You know, what do you hope, you know, the longstanding effect of the Lincoln Project? Do you are you are you um, hoping that in recapturing the soul of the country, you can recapture the soul of the party? Um, you know, you say um, on the Lincoln Project's Twitter, you cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today, uh, quote mm-hmm. from Lincoln. It, you know, the, the desire to hold um, accountable the Republicans who have, again, taken their oaths to Donald Trump and not to right. Mainers or Arizonans, Coloradans. Um, do you think that, that if... Biden is indeed, and tell us, tell me and tell our listeners if you think, if he is indeed capable of a, a significant electoral and popular vote win um, uh, of the variety of, of Barack Obama in 2008, that um, Lincoln can once again be the bedrock um, and not Trump um, for, for uh, the Republican Party. Well, that's, that's what I'm going to... Um... That's what I'm going to work on, you know, as tirelessly as I can. And I'm a pretty tireless guy, as you know, um, for the next 160 days uh, in an effort to ensure that this country is not um, trapped in four more years of of someone I consider to be one of the most dangerous presidents of our lifetimes. And, and And someone who has demonstrated that he does not have the compassion or the understanding uh, you know, to deal with a crisis of this scope. He doesn't have the intellectual or moral balance to deal with the most consequential decisions in a country. And so, you know, I think it is possible for Biden to have a, uh, for Biden to have a, a very meaningful win. I think, you know, if we end up where Florida breaks away and you end up with two or three of those other states, I mean, we've got Biden up at that point into the, you know, the 330 range. And that's a happy place to be. Um, and, and I think that, that the country is going to be very tightly divided till, till fairly close to the end in some of these purple states, but there is a meaningful chance that, that Donald Trump does not win Pennsylvania, does not win Michigan, does not win Ohio, does not win Minnesota, and does not win North Carolina. And so I think there are a lot of places this could go wrong for Trump. Um, look, Trump's in trouble in Georgia. so. But Biden has to do all the work. He has to punch all the buttons. He has to stay in the fight every day. He cannot blink. He cannot rest. He cannot take anything for granted ever, even for a moment. But he has a chance to pull off a very good victory here. And look, Trump has a chance to activate the Republican base to a point uh, that gets them up to the 67, 68 percentile instead of the 62, 61 percentile of intensity. If he does that, he may win. 
And it's, it's important that we stay in that fight the whole time to make sure he doesn't solidify that base. That's why groups and, like and mine are working very sure. hard not to let him. But And complacency is the to enemy number one, right? Yeah. Or something yeah. else. Yeah. Complacency and, and complacency in the form of, of excusing people who, um, you know, want to make false equivalency. I mean, are you afraid of the same kind of drumbeat of false equivalency emerging from the mainstream media narrative? Um, I know that Biden and, and Lincoln Project will counter that, but are, are you afraid that, that depressed turnout for people who would have voted for Biden is, is still a possibility. That is certainly something the Trump campaign is going to seek to do by making the campaign as nasty and horrifying as they can. They, they, their view is that a soft voter who stays home is a vote, is a win for them. The, the, the difficulty for Biden and for, the, and, and for everyone else who's trying to bring over those Republican votes that they need um, is that Trump is going to be, be dumping so much garbage on them every day that they're going to want to stay home and hide under the blankets. So it's important. It's an important fight that, that is going yeah. to have. Look, I mean, in, in, the midst, in the midst of the pandemic, I think Wisconsin was really an admirable story uh, in just the fight of voters and their resilience in this time um, when their own personal health and security was put to the test and they still wanted to vote. Um, so this is a contest of 2010 and 2018, isn't it, in terms of really amplifying either the Trump Tea Party element or the um, oh yeah or the resistance oh, yeah. element? And and I just thought I'd close by asking you, you know, and you you of course would put your funny uh, and 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 wit, witty twist on this. Can Biden, in the midst of of what will probably continue to be a pandemic by November, whether it's a resurgence or just a new abnormal? Um, can he fight in the way you're describing from his basement? People have mocked it, but I don't think he has been less effective campaigning, um, sheltering at home or, or quarantined. I, I don't think it's made him less effective. What do you say? Well, look, I, I think we've converted to a very digital world. I mean, we're doing an interview on Zoom right now. Um, and that would have been, I would have been in a studio somewhere, you know, six months ago before we started all this. So. The world has changed a lot. People are now accustomed to much more of their political information and advocacy coming through digital channels. So I think in that regard, we're okay. Um, you know, Biden has to step up the digital game, but that's, you know, that's, but I'm demanding like that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I mean, and, and it, you know, fundamentally, I think a lot is riding on not just the security voters placed in their confidence of Biden um, from from the two terms he served alongside President Obama, but this idea that you know he can't be torn down uh, the Ukrainian affair, uh, whatever so far Trump folks you know have have tried to uh, dethrone his kind of that's whether you want to call it Uncle Joe, authentic Joe, that he has something that Hillary never could have had. Is that true? Yes, Biden has uh, both charisma and luck. And Hillary didn't have those. And she was, she, look, Hillary won um, a Senate seat because the guy I was working for, uh, Rudy Giuliani, had prostate cancer and an affair at the same time. And so 
she he dropped out of the race. She beat a hapless nobody uh, named Rick Lazio. Nice guy, but a, a complete non-entity. Um, and her second race was a walkover. So you know she got beat by Barack Obama and beat by Donald Trump. Um, she she may have won the primary, but that was just that Democratic Party, it's her turn thing going on. She didn't have luck. And I, I'm an empiricist. I'm a science-based guy. I, 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 am, I am not a guy who believes in a lot of woo, but, but I do believe in luck in politics because I've seen it so many times. And since you're a science-based dude, mm-hmm. last question is, you get down to the wire. You see poll results that are comparable to the numbers we saw in the weeks before the Comey letter, um, which is a tightening in swing states. Which there will be, by the way. So in that scenario, you're deploying um, the most resources to what we conventionally understand to be Biden's uh, most feasible path, Michigan and Pennsylvania, possibly North Carolina too. But, you know, there's the temptation. I remember I just recorded with um, taking Goddard, politicalwire.com. Sure, yeah. Messina was on TV talking um, about how Georgia and Texas were in play. And that was with Hillary Clinton. Now, that might have been. Yeah, a- but Messina was spinning. Yeah, um, that was a dubious assertion. It was Messina. It wasn't Pluff yeah. or Axelrod. Look, every campaign does that kind of, uh, of uh, head fake at the end. They, they always try to play out a little bit of like, you know, psychological mojo on people. Um, and, and so I wouldn't take that. Uh, I mean, you're going to hear it from both sides. But the difference is this year, there are polls showing Joe Biden tied or up in the state of Georgia. Um, there are a lot of polls showing Joe Biden ahead in the state of North Carolina. But Those you get polls. to that point, Rick, and, and you have polls that are plus or minus a few points, dead even in all those states. You sending your troops to Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin? I'm sending my troops to the places that I know are going to be part of my electoral college uh, critical path. And and so, so that could be Rust Belt, but that also could be Arizona. It could be yeah, it could be Florida. There are a lot of different uh, you know possible uh, fire chains to go down on on uh, an electoral college play. So we're going to probably have to, you know, you're going to have to call a lot of audibles towards the end of this, of this game. Rick, Rick Wilson, uh, Politico, unlike any other, a founding member of the Lincoln Project. Uh, delighted to be with you. Thanks for, for coming on. Today. I appreciate you having me. I was going to let's talk again soon. Yes. Be well, Rick. Thank you, sir.